Tech Talk. Plan B. With Rebecca Davis, 26 minutes to four. Hello. Hello, John. She was saying last week was Rebecca that we need to get hold of her book before the reviews come out because she suggested the reviews would be of such a nature that we'd be disinclined after reading one of those reviews to buy her book. And the first thing about her book that appears is the most fawning column imaginable by Eusebius MacKaiser. I've never, ever seen... Eusebius on his knees in that way, genuflecting before the great Ms. Davis. I mean, I think that might be over, over hyping it somewhat, John, but I was very grateful, obviously. Thank you. And Eusebius. bestseller already, I believe. I mean, by South African standards, John, which already probably means sold 12 books. <laughs> I, and I bought 11 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Zapiro's cartoon today just encapsulated what I've been thinking about this loony president of the SRC at Wits University. If you haven't seen it, folks, Zapiro's column in the Times newspaper on the left-hand panel, there's uh, UCT in front of Table Mountain, students saying down with Rhodes and Rhodes' statue being removed from its plinth. And in the right-hand panel, there's SRC President Clebo Tlamini in front of the Witz column saying up with Hitler as Hitler's statue is placed where Rhodes' statue was taken away. Because, I mean, it's, it's quite extraordinary that that man probably, he would have probably absolutely said Rhodes has no exonerating features whatsoever. He would have dissed all those people who were telling me and probably you on Twitter. But, you know, Rhodes did good. He did this. He did that. He wasn't all bad. It's just a historical. Well, his point seemed to be, and I think it was very clumsily expressed and also without merit, that people are more keen to discern the good in people who are racist towards black people rather than people like Hitler, who in his view was solely evil towards white people. That, I think, was what he was trying to say, that there's more incentive to seek out the good in anti-black racists. I, I just thought the whole thing, John, was indicative of a terrible problem with historical literacy in this country. I mean, it's clear to me that this man doesn't know about Hitler. It's just impossible that he could know about Hitler. I mean, he claimed to have read a few books or something. But if he knew anything about Hitler, he'd know how much Hitler, you know, detested black people and anyone who wasn't really an Aryan. And it, to me, it, it paired with the um, vandalizing this week of the Sarah Bartman Memorial in Hankey in the Eastern Cape, which just seems so upsetting, especially given the indignity with which she lived in life, that for, for her memorial to be defaced in that way. And again, just speaks to complete historical illiteracy, and in this case, perhaps actual illiteracy, because I cannot imagine that the people defacing the memorial were aware of what it represented, or that they surely would have no reason to, to deface it. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned... The basic education minister, Angie Mocheka, has been speaking for some time about making history a compulsory subject in South African schools. And I say, hurry up. I mean, it's just clear. We need it. Except that the way history is going to be taught is not the kind of way of teaching history that I and I suspect you would want to see. We would want to see a critical approach to history, whereas I suspect that they want a hagiographic approach to history. To all history or to... Well, I mean, what, what they will do is um, history will be taught with a particular historical perspective, uh, the perspective of the Liberation Army triumphing over apartheid and colonialism and etc. Well, I mean, we can hope, John, that there will be people behind it who will... I mean, the curriculum shape, shapers will not be quite so... Um, 
So, so. And what gives you that hope, Rebecca? I'm not entirely sure, John, just a, a fleeting moment of idealism. But the other thing that distressed me about this SRC president's thing was that the number of people on Twitter coming out to bat for Hitler, predominantly black people, I mean, it was just, just insane. People saying, well, why isn't it okay just to say that he's a good, that he has charisma, that he had leadership qualities, that he was decisive? And as you say, the very same people I'm sure would be absolutely appalled if you suggested that Favut, for instance, if you said something like, say what you like about Favut, but he could design a, a good political system. I mean, it lasted much longer than the Third Reich. I'm sure they'd be appalled, and rightly. But um, to me, it's also indicative of a strain in South African society, which I see a lot of, which is very casual anti-Semitism. And it's complicated by people's, you know, virulent hatred of what Israel is doing, which I totally understand. But often it seems that Israel is used just as a foil for for anti-Semitism. I hear so much of it, John, just in a very casual social way, people thinking nothing of making offensive comments about Jews and what Jewish people do and trading in gross stereotypes in a way that I think that the same people would find unthinkable about about black people. Where does it come from? You know, I was thinking this week that it's another, it's another strand of xenophobia in a way. It's to do with the other. It's to do with scapegoating and particularly those perceived as economically powerful. I mean, it's, I think it's the same, the same tensions that have caused anti-Semitism throughout the, the centuries. And, and there is this, um, I, I'm entitled to be opposed to Israel's policies on Palestine. I, and I'm not anti-Semitic, but mm. most of the people, there's not necessarily a link. I think it is possible to be opposed to Israel's domestic and foreign policies towards Palestinians and be non-Semitic. But the two, unfortunately, do tend to go hand in hand. Don't they? Yeah, there's a definite collapse there, which I think is troubling. And I think that we should be looking at that quite carefully. I mean, I take the point too. It's several people suggested to me on Twitter that actually anti-Semitism is taken more seriously than anti-black racism. And I think that there are contexts in which that is probably true, and particularly perhaps in places like America. And I think it's also true that we view the Holocaust and the Second World War in a different way to perhaps genocides in Africa or elsewhere. And, you know, there is a, I think it's indisputable that white victims are often treated as their lives more valuable than, than black victims. But um, we must also recognize that the Holocaust is on a scale, you know, which doesn't compare even to the Rwandan genocide. It just doesn't. So, you know, there's good reasons why we, why we have maintained that, that genocide as a particular point of human horror. Are you somebody who's said something about Musi Maimani, which he has picked up as part of his campaign to be the national leader of the DA? I haven't, John, and I feel a little bit slighted, I must say, although not actually because I would be so enraged if he did. So this is the thing that, that happened this week where the, the Maimani campaign has created these ads featuring quotes from journalists, but in a way that makes them seem like endorsements. So, for instance, they quoted the um, colonist Varashni Pillay saying he was born in Soweto, is multilingual, has multiple university degrees and a unique ability to connect with people from a variety of backgrounds. And they took that from an article she'd written sort of just praising him in some respects critically and in other ways not. The Daily Maverick's Richard Poplack. He's a systems guy, a 30,000 foot high flyer, a sketcher of grand designs and planner of enormous futures. Again, that quote with my minus face in a very Obama-esque pose and, you know, a campaign endorsement. And I think it's, it's, it's sort of ethically 
all right because these journalists did write these things about my money. It's not like they're making them up. But I think they are presented in a way that makes them look like political endorsements in a way that I imagine those journalists are very unhappy with. I would certainly be unhappy to have something I'd written quoted as if it was... Because Richard Poplack in particular has written some very, very, you know, sharp criticism of my money in the past. But at the same time, I, I, I think he has, if he is annoyed, he has a right to be annoyed. But unfortunately, there's probably very little that he can do about it because he did say or write those words. Yeah, I think it's sort of skating on the edge of permissibility. There's definitely no legal recourse, but I do think there should be some kind of a contract that, that um, if nothing else, just to, to, it seems like a bad idea in terms of maintaining goodwill from, from journalists. But if he's written plenty of scathing things about my money, then there's not much goodwill to maintain. And perhaps so. it's just a form of revenge in that case. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, revenge is a dish best eaten cold. <laughs> and then, Rebecca, the Americans have been discussing, the US Senate has been uh, debating same-sex marriage this week. It is legal in some states, but not many. That's right. And what... What sorts of things have been offered to the Senate as debating points? Well, there a number of rights groups and um, lobbyists have presented dossiers of information, particularly looking at what has happened to countries which have legalised same-sex marriage. I think it's interesting because, you know, we're now at a point where we can have a sort of longitudinal view of what has gone down in these countries. And in the same countries where there was often very, very vocal opposition to to gay marriage. So the first country in the world to legalise same-sex marriage, which was in 2001, was the Netherlands. And at the time, as in other countries, people were predicting it would lead to some kind of social breakdown and that marriage as an institution would somehow be desanctified. And actually, what um, the latest research shows is that since 2001, when it was legalized, the divorce rate in the Netherlands has actually dropped. And that is also in contrast to the rest of the European Union, where it's risen as a whole. There's obviously not a direct link there. I mean, it would be absurd to say that people are not getting divorced because gays are getting married. But it certainly is a powerful counterargument to the idea that somehow gay marriage has this sort of nullifying effect on the rest of the institution. Also, John, from the Netherlands as well, um, they, they quote a number of studies which have shown absolutely no correlation between children's psychological um, adjustment and whether they were raised by a same-sex couple or a heterosexual couple. And um, just that the, the sexual orientation of parents had no effect on the global self-worth of the child. So those arguments too, that it's somehow distractive for a child to be raised in a same-sex household, also just not the case. And I find it reassuring to have this kind of empirical evidence on our side when you're trying to, to, to make these arguments against the sadness, though, is that most of the people in the Senate, which is Republican-controlled, wouldn't have been swayed in the slightest bit by that empirical evidence from their uh, biblically sanctioned views. That's true. Oh. And, of course, if your views are rooted in dogma and religion, then I suppose it's like shouting into the wind. But I thought it was pleasing nonetheless, John. Put on your headphones, will you, Rebecca? Unati is on the line from Kailicha, wanting to talk about the Wits SRC president's views. Unati, hello. Hi, John. Um, I, I, um, I'm trying to understand why is it that someone has different views and we start calling him names like he's a loony, he's mad, all those kind of things. Because if, if for me, my understanding of freedom of speech is that 
a person is free to say what they want. And I was actually disappointed at uh, Adam had Apib when he said that he was going to investigate Gwebo uh, Tamini because, I mean, an institution of higher learning should be teaching you to be a free thinker. That, that, that's what I, I would like to believe. And so if we all have to believe one thing and we all have to think the same, I think the world would be boring. Um, it, would it? Would you feel the same when if Mkabo Damini was admiring um, an Idi Amin or a Robert Mugabe or, or all other African tyrants? Rebecca? Well, I mean, I think the obvious contradiction there is that Freedom of speech does protect Lamini to some degree, but it also protects those of us who want to call him a loony. I mean, one can't argue the one and not the other. Sure, but for me, he's free to say what he wants to say, and I may not agree with what he said, perhaps because I, I do acknowledge my ignorance when it comes to Hitler and that kind, the, the history, let's say, in Germany or the rest of Europe. Uh, mainly because I would say that uh, in public schools where I went to school, uh, at the ages where I did history, I didn't even understand what I was uh, I was learning because English, I didn't understand English in the first place. So, uh, I mean, have learned history, but I really don't remember what I was learning. I would only know now because I understand English better. I mean, it, it's a bit like saying, um, look, all right, so Stalin killed 50 million Soviets in his reign of terror. But, you know, he knew how to draw up a five-year plan. He was really good at five-year plans. So hold on a second. There's some good stuff about this guy. It's like saying, you know, Pol Pot, he could teach a songbird to sing. So, you know, there's good. There's good in everybody. It's an utterly ludicrous notion that there's anything good about Hitler at all. Utterly ludicrous. <laughs> I hear that, John, and perhaps I, I believe that as well. But um, I just think that it's a free country. Gabon um, Lamini must say what he wants to say. And, if there, he and, says, and if there are consequences, he must accept them. Like what? Like being called a loony? Well, that's, that's the, that is the least of the consequences. I, mean, I don't think you should be punished for believing what, for believing what he believes. Mm. I think you should be tarnished if your views are both inaccurate and potentially dangerous, especially in a climate. In what way? Because, I mean, it's not that his views were incitement to violence per se, but I think it's a very dangerous idea that everything in our society and history should be open, should be up for debate, that absolutely there are, that there, there's no black and white about anything, that we can, you know, quibble over the merits of whether it was okay for somebody to kill six million people. I just think that... He never said that, did he? He said that... He said that uh, Adolf Hitler, I heard him, he was being with already. He said that he admired certain qualities about him. There are those that he didn't admire. He said that. Would you honestly feel the same way if a white SRC president gave a rousing defense of the foot? I wouldn't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with the racists as well. Okay. All right. Thank you, Unati, for expressing your views. Is Patrick going to come... On air? No, Patrick is not going to come on air. Sean in Somerset West, what do you want to say? Afternoon, John. How are you doing? All right. How are you, Sean? Yes, I'm very well, thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just wanted to say, um, you know, I watched this whole debacle at, at Stellenbosch yesterday. 
um, with Vim de Villiers. And um, I, I just, you know, I, I just, his inauguration, I, I just feel so sorry for a guy like that, you know, who um, uh, he's, he's, he's got such high achievements and, and, and yet you've got this crowd in the background, you know, shouting and screaming obscenities. And and my my problem with that is is that there's no respect um, in any form. You know, there's no integrity, there's no responsibility from these students anymore. And they just think they can do whatever they want, you know, and whenever they want to do it. And unfortunately, I, I was never lucky enough to, to be at a university and to be part of something bigger. So, I mean, I, I, I always admire, you know, these students and universities and, and things like that. But um, I don't, well, why should why should they put up that noise? You know, why should we put up with that noise from these guys? And and where are the students? If this is such a small group of students that are so unhappy, where is the bulk of the students that are happy? Why don't they make their voices heard? And you know, and and do something about it? Like because I just I just I can't understand it, and it makes my skin crawl. The more I see it, and the more it happens. Um, I, I just think you know there's no you know the first thing you want to do is 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 show respect. I've got I've got nothing against silent protest and if they want further discussions on transformation and that's all fine. But but do it properly. But this where they think they can stand and shout obscenities when 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 a guy's getting inaugurated and it's a it's a really you know it, it's it's a really it's a high education thing that's happening. I, I just don't get it. I really really don't. And it makes my skin crawl. I must tell you. Okay, Sean, thanks. Uh, Rebecca, the um, thing about Musi Maimani, books and plays are advertised by journos, quotes, why not politicians too? Because, I mean, uh, a review can be largely negative and there can be two sentences which are less negative and um, theatre publicists and book publicists are entirely... Uh, they don't think twice about lifting what they can. So should journalists, what journalists say, should they be given special treatment. Well, I take the point, but I mean, it's also an incentive for journalists to be very careful about writing anything positive in, out of fear that it could be used without their permission as a political endorsement. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. Enjoy your long weekend. <laughs> Have a lovely long weekend.